Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Nicole Thomas, Vice President of Information Services here at McKinney Flavelle. Today is August 12th, 2022, a lovely Friday, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast. Now, as you hear my voice, as opposed to our fearless leader, Mike Coughlin, I'm going to take over today. And taking over with me, I have our very own commodity specialist, Eric Thornton. How you doing, Eric? Doing well, Nicole. The takeover has begun. It has begun. Yeah, we're, we just say all kinds of crazy things. Just for this week. <laughs> just for this week. And we'll leave Mike to deal with the fallout. That sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? Perfect. He, he likes a little <laughs> crazy from time to time. He, so He does. Controlled he chaos. Does. Controlled chaos. I think that is the way he would define this group altogether. <laughs> they are they're controlled chaos. That mm-hmm. fits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today is a WASD day. Much anticipated WASD, I think. Everyone's uh, been looking forward to this one with some resurveyed acreage to come out, you yep. know, some ideas on consumption, production. All that fun stuff. Were you like super excited in the morning, Eric? Butterflies in your stomach? A lot of butterflies. And honestly, I think I woke up extra early just, you know, thinking uh, I missed my alarm, something to that effect. So a little bit of, you know, (laughs) nerves and just like you said, kind of giddy to see what the numbers were going to be today. But I'm sure you feel the same on WASI days, especially, you know, these ones during the summer where things can change pretty dramatically. Yeah, I absolutely do. But I think that makes us weirdos or that just makes us very passionate about our jobs. How about that? There we go. There you go. There we go. The authenticity comes out. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, you know what, with that, let's kick it off. Let's start with, uh, let's, let's mix it up a little bit. Let's start with wheat and, uh, what did you see intriguing stuff? Yeah. So there were quite a few changes with wheat, um, more on the minor side, though, and, and relatively in line with expectations. Uh, first, looking at the U.S. balance sheet to uh, the comment you made earlier about acreage updates um, from the June 30th numbers. There was going to be a window here in today's report where USDA would make any revisions if necessary. So we did see um, just 100,000 acres come off of uh, plantings for wheat. So we're now sitting there at 47 million total acres. Uh, We did see a slight increase to spring wheat yields, which brought up that production. So now we're sitting at a total average wheat yield of 47.5 bushels per acre, still below an average year, again, weighted down from the really poor hard red winter wheat crop we had this year, but uh, the spring wheat crops at least making up some of that ground. So production, you know, up just 2 million bushels, but, uh, some of the more surprising changes were on the demand side for wheat. So mm. wasn't really anticipating much in the way of changes here, but USDA actually bumped exports up another 25 million bushels Uh-oh. to 825 million bushels. And that to me, I don't know, might just be a little premature. They kind of cited more competitive export prices for soft red winter and white wheat. Uh, so they think that maybe there could be more opportunity to get increases in sales there. But 
um, sales to date on the books for this crop year, 22, 23, which again, wheat starts June 1st yep. in the calendar. So we're, we're 1%, 1% still behind last year. Mm. And we had uh, 800 million bushels um, exported a year ago. So mm. I think it may be just a hair early. You know, we've had a decent week of sales here or there, but, you know, I don't know if it was justified to do it today, but um, nevertheless, they did. And then another category that's usually pretty quiet sideways, you don't see a lot of changes. Um, and this wasn't a huge change in the grand scheme of things, but we saw that food demand rose by 6 million bushels to now 970 million bushels. Reason maybe there could be some consumer behavior, uh, you know, with prices very expensive at the grocery store. Maybe we see folks revert back more to the uh, standard or staple items, milk, mm -hmm. bread, yeah. et cetera. So maybe hinting at some consumer behavior there. So we saw, um, you know, a 6 million bushel increase there. Again, category that usually doesn't change all that much, but this this report, USDA made that move. So all in all, with those demand increases and just the slight tick up for production, stocks actually shrunk 29 million bushels to now 610 oh, wow. million bushels. So uh, more on the bullish side in the U.S. grand scheme of things, again, pretty much in line with the production increase, but it was those demand changes that were a little um, surprising. So stocks uh, tightened further, but uh, looking at the global perspective, again, pretty numerous amount of changes. We saw production in, in total for wheat's now just shy of 780 million metric tons, which is uh, a record for production. Uh, we did see, though, that there were increases to demand as well, and then another uh, upward revision to exports. So interestingly, ending stocks barely moved at the 267 million metric ton threshold. But how we got there, you know, pretty decent amount of changes to production. We've been, I've been talking about for quite a while for those clients that do work with us about Russia's crop. It's quite large this year right. and USDA was well understated. So they moved uh, their crop estimate up six and a half millimetric tons to now 88 millimetric ton level. And I think even that still is probably understated and there's more upside potential for that crop to move higher. We talked about, and we've been talking about for a little while now, the stress in the EU related mm -hmm. to weather. So the, oh, yeah. uh, the estimates there for the EU dropped 2 million metric tons. Australia bumped up 3 million metric tons. Again, La Nina usually favors them quite well um, in terms of rainfall and weather. So they're now pushing back up to another very good crop, third consecutive year for them. And awesome. Canada actually up 1 million metric ton to now 35 uh, million metric tons. So that increase in acreage plus a much better uh, year weather-wise in the Canadian yep. prairies versus a year ago with, with drought conditions is uh, looking to see at this point that their crops off to a much better start. So um, all in all, on the uh, global perspective, I'd say, you know, more, more bearish in terms of that production number, but with some of the revisions to demand, um, really fairly neutral. So I think kind of looking ahead, we're going to continue to see relatively sideways trading, but, you know, maybe with some anticipation of, of harvest pressure for these spring row crops, we could see prices make another run at some of these recent lows we've tested in wheat of the last uh, four weeks or so. So that's what I have on uh, wheat, Nicole. Interesting. What, what happened with uh, soy and corn? A lot of speculation there. Yeah. Well, you know what? First, I was going to say, uh, I think I know what caused that bump in food usage for wheat. 
I think I know the answer. What, what's your answer? It was my son eating all those sandwiches <laughs> over the summer. Oh, yeah. And and any parent of a boy knows that they can eat a lot of sandwiches. And I'm sure all those parents in general are very enthused that these kids are heading back to school. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and they're uh, being fed there, there as go. opposed to eating eating you out of house and home. Well, I can't blame him for the corn situation. Yeah, yeah true. So, very true. Yeah. You know, to your point, Eric, uh, everyone's been waiting to, to uh, as I said earlier today, with bated breath to see what happened with acreage. And the change for corn was relatively minor, just a reduction of 100,000 acres. But where things got interesting was the reduction in yield. Now, they've got that uh, posted at 175.4 bushels per acre. That further reduces production by about five percent year over year. If if uh, this this uh, plays out to be true, admittedly, I wasn't sure they would make that adjustment to yield just yet. Mm-hmm. But I guess considering the the acreage reduction was minor enough, and you know, also a very slight boost to carry in this year, they or next year, I guess I should say, they went ahead and took that number down. And you know, we've all been watching the weather through the last three months or so, very challenging scenario to really ascertain exactly what's going on with the crop (laughs) with a combination of too much, too much water, too little water, hot and dry, hot and very moist, just we're kind of all over the place this season. So, uh, and we've, we've heard of worse, but I I don't want to ruin anybody's weekend. So I'll just leave that commentary to the side for now. Uh, But as far as the demand uh, side of the balance sheet was concerned, we did see a little bit of a reduction to the feed category for the current marketing year. And you could could cite, you know, a combination of high feed costs, uh, the impact of avian flu uh, earlier this season, and potentially even, you know, strong ethanol production and likewise uh, impact on availability of DDGs all playing into that. But, you know, overall, like I mentioned, that subtle change to carry in was not enough to offset that reduction uh, in, in the uh, production side of things. And, and what we ended up with uh, was a 100 million bushel, a little more, uh, or nearly 100 million bushel uh, decline in projected ending stocks, which now sit uh, at about 1.388 billion for 22-23. So, we got stocks to use 9.6%. So it's looking a lot like last year. And uh, emph- <laughs> emphasizing that point, uh, and, and arguably even more uh, concerning, was the look at the global balance sheet. <laughs> now, we've been anticipating uh, stocks recovery year for 22-23. But as you mentioned, the issues in Europe uh, with the weather are also taking their uh, that those issues are also taking their toll on on uh, corn production. So on one hand, we got the the surprise improvement of the Ukrainian uh, production number was up five million tons, now projected at thirty million, but it wasn't enough to offset a eight million ton reduction. Wow. Uh, for EU. So overall, what that uh, meant was a 6 million ton decline for 22, 23 
from last uh, last month's numbers and now uh, well below even 21.22. So we're looking at another tight year of corn mm. uh, bearing any uh, significant decline in in consumption and or anything that can further Mm -hmm. (laughs) increase what's already a pretty significant uh, projected increase for production in South America. Uh, So we'll (laughs) continue to monitor the the European weather as much as we are North American weather right now. And as it it stands today anyway, I think that kind of creates that price range or, or shaping up as a picture of a price range for 22-23 that gives you a bottom in the in the high fives at best per bushel and a high end of the range in the and potentially you know back up in the sevens uh later in the in the marketing season again if we if we don't see some sharp reductions in consumption along the way so mm. from a corn perspective wasn't wasn't quite what we what we hope for mm-hmm. as, we, as we got up this morning anxiously uh, hoping for a good WASD. Now, then that brings us to soybeans. So same scenario. The number of acreage came down, uh, but in this case, the bean acreage dropped by 300,000 acres, which puts us right at right even at 88 million. Now, it was a little different for beans. Um, I guess kind of similar in a way in that we we also saw a higher carry in number mm-hmm. for 2223. That was up uh by about 10 million uh bushels. But we also uh saw an increase to projected demand for this year or for the upcoming year of about 20 million bushels to put us at uh 2.155 billion. But overall the the most interesting change was the higher revision for yield. Mm-hmm. So USDA's yield's been on, on the higher end of, you know, sort of the historical range of, of, you know, what one would expect anyway at 51 and a half. Now we're at 51.9 bushels per acre. Ooh. And this one's a little interesting because, you know, with the late plantings, pushed corn out, corn's pretty well pollinated throughout the country now. But beans are still pot setting. So we're still we're still kind of getting past the reproductive stage here and even to begin determining what the yield scenario is for these beans. So, you know, to, to uh, see that adjustment higher for the yield mm-hmm. and, and, and considering it was contrary to the adjustment made to corn, you know, stuff's grown on the same acreage, right, kind of right. dealing with the the same circumstances it, and and could have been very, uh, very plausibly, you know, it, we're already looking at, at pretty low stocks now at 245 million bushels going into next year. But I don't know, maybe they want to make that a little worse. I'm not sure. What I do know is we should have some, some crop tours, uh, some of the private analyst crop tours taking place here in the next few weeks, I think the pro farmer tours, uh, starts at the, uh, the week of the 22nd. And that's, that's one that tends to be followed pretty, pretty closely by the market. And we'll see, uh, what, what they see kind of confirms these numbers, or if we may be in for some additional reductions down the road and, you know, our ending stocks number globally, uh, increased, uh, accordingly based on, 
you know, this better production outlook for the U.S. with that better yield, but also with China projected to to produce a little better than uh, what had been expected. And, and you know, their weather has, has kind of been here and there and everywhere as well. But I would say overall, probably, you know, if you're talking about the three major regions of, of production, grain and oilseed production uh, in the northern hemisphere, they, they've, they're the best <laughs> out of mm-hmm. between Europe and ours. So that that helped along with uh, also saw a little bit in the more more in the way of consumption anticipated. So. Uh, And I would say, you know, like we're all following, you know, the impact of inflation on consumption, the um, uh, some of the the monetary policies put in place by, you know, the various central banks globally. We'll see how that impacts that story longer term. Uh, But at least for now, that's that's the expectation. So that was the bean part. Now, as far as soybean oil is concerned, things actually improved. As we were talking with some clients earlier this morning, that anticipating that the biofuel number for this year would have to come down mm-hmm. uh, because it's been it's been pretty strong. And if you look at uh, usage through May, we're sub about seven billion pounds. So for us to to try to hit the higher number, it, it really <laughs> it may be a challenge for us to hit this number, this revised number of ten point five billion pounds. Uh, just considering there's there's about four months left in the marketing year for us to to accomplish that. And I would say, you know, we've been kind of averaging uh, somewhere between 700, 800 million pounds of consumption. So, you know, getting to 10, uh, 10 billion pounds of usage, plausible. 10.5 still seems a little high, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll see what, what comes down the road. And that food feed, uh, category was left unchanged for the current marketing year as well. And I, you know, that one, that's another one that I'm thinking uh, may may see some adjustment down the road, maybe see that number come in a little higher. Uh, but all in all, it ended up aiding us a bit with the carry in of about 50 million pounds, uh, maybe a little more. And ultimately, that and some of the changes that we've seen in the last uh, last month with the reporting helped to get our ending stocks projection for, for this year, or for, excuse me again, for the upcoming year at a little over 1.8 uh, billion, billion pounds. So mm-hmm. that's, that's about 150 million pound improvement over last month. And that uh, should help hopefully to, to put a little pressure on these soybean oil futures that have, um, been interesting mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks. I'll put it put it that way. Uh, longer term, though, we're watching uh, that biofuel category closely. Uh, if we do indeed get passage of the Inflation Reduction Act that's currently uh, being put together in Congress, it is very supportive for renewable diesel production. It has uh, some goodies in there for that production uh, through the next four years or so. And we're also waiting, and this, you know, may actually help uh, loosen the the soybean oil balance sheet a bit. We're also waiting for EPA's decision on usage of canola oil for uh, renewable diesel production. So those things still up in the air, you know, still still a lot to uh, keep an eye on here over the next the next uh, month or so until our next WASDI. 
but I would say, you know, if, if we can uh, see further reduction in that category of biofuel for the current marketing year, uh, maybe, maybe edge the category down a little bit for the upcoming marketing year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll see how the, how the export scenario plays out. And then obviously the food piece, considering that now we've got a much, much better uh, outlook for the canola crop this year. They're coming in a, a lot closer to 20 million tons, which, which puts us back to where we were a few years ago uh, in Canada. Uh, that maybe that'll that'll help to you know tame demand within the food category, uh, and then maybe ultimately we can see ourselves pushing back towards the uh, mid fifties on the futures side of things uh, later this year. Maybe probably post post harvest, and and also if we can get a little help from a little a little less in the way of consumption, uh, that could help the scenario too. But also watching. You know, from the a total uh, vegetable oil picture, you've got canola and sunflower grown in Europe as well, yep. uh, and things aren't looking as great there. We're seeing a lot of movement, uh, successful movement of grain out of uh, Ukraine. Haven't had heard much as far as sunflowers or sunflower oil is concerned, and then with the with the palm oil situation. It, it just not, you know, seeing the kind of the stocks growth we'd like to see or the production increases we would have liked to have experienced in the last couple of months. So, you know, it, it's still it's still a tight market mm-hmm. and and any any buyer is going to be faced with uh, just finding those uh, opportunities when when futures come come down a bit to extend coverage. Uh, and that that sure. will probably be the strategy moving forward. So. That's corn and soy. What about sugar? No Kevin today either no Kevin, on our no, WASD day. Yeah. So I'll uh, tackle sugar real quick. Um, awesome. Let's see what we got here. So as there was a quite a few changes in the last report that I know uh, Kevin was articulate in explaining, but really a theme that I've noticed from the USDA as it relates to the beet crop is, is a, a little bit of flip-flopping from month to month. They increase the crop, <laughs> they decrease the crop, uh, increase the crop again from month to month, and uh, here we are again looking at uh, expectations of another increase to that crop. They actually raised the uh, beet production number up 204 short tons to uh, levels just below uh, last crop here at 5.138 uh, million short tons. And justification there was from, from uh, an increase in tonnage per acre from 27.9 to 29.2 tons per acre. So that... Um, it seems a, just a hair optimistic to me uh, at that level. Um, things have been drying out a little bit up in that area. And Craig and I spoke a week ago giving a recap uh, of the American Sugar Alliance conference. And yes. we had spoken to many farmers up in that region uh, who said that, yes, things were drying out, um, but they did get timely rainfalls there in that first week of August. But um, I'm sure they're looking at things now being relatively dry once again hoping for some more rain. So I don't think we're out of the window yet for maybe seeing that production number be revised again. So um, I think average crop is certainly attainable, but um, we'll have to see if we can hit that number since um, it's a pretty decent increase month to month. So uh, we did get also a higher carry-in for the 22-23 marketing year, and much of that Mm -hmm. was related to um, 
an increase in stocks of high tier sugar. Um, so 46,000 yeah. tons extra, um, going into the supply it's been bucket popular for sugar. This year. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so with that increase in total supply, we didn't really, well, we didn't see any changes to demand, uh, this go around. So our stocks to use ratio now stands at 14.3%, pretty much smack dab in the middle of USDA's targeted range of 13 and to 15%. So even though on paper, we saw increases to stocks and stocks to use, uh, certainly can relay that uh, sugar is still very tight uh, currently yes. and, and, and in the commercial market, um, still very, very quiet um, and probably, again, expected to remain pretty tight on sugar for at least uh, the balance of this crop year, 21-22, and so, until we can start to get uh, some of these beets out of the ground and harvested. So um, hopefully folks have their uh, supply chains in order and are giving ample yes. lead times to their suppliers to be able to effectively <laughs> meet their needs. Cause yes, sugar is going to be tight um, for another two months here probably and maybe further. So Agreed. that's uh that's what I see on sugar, Nicole. Well, you know what? I think we did great with our takeover. We got 26 minutes and counting here. So we definitely gave folks a lot. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't even do a super long uh, no. uh, intro either. All so. good content. Good, good. <laughs> All good content. And you know what? If you want more of that good content, because we can go deeper with this analysis. We can apply it to your specific situation and help you out. But in order to get that, you got to become a client. Come join us. And you can do that. Come join us. You go, look, come join our our club. Uh, You can do that by reaching out to us at inquire at mckinney-flavelle.com and we'd be happy to walk through your needs and and how we can help and we can we can do that for a variety of uh commodities we can even do that for some energy stuff now can't we we certainly can want to talk a little bit about natural gas everybody uh has uh some energy component to running their their manufacturing facilities we can help you with that too so if you're interested in learning more, definitely uh, reach out to us at inquire at mckinney-flavelle.com. Uh, you can also always give us a call at 510-832-2866. I'm amazed I still remember that, uh, considering I haven't been <laughs> I, I in that office for a long time. I know, right? <laughs> you know, see, it's the younger crew's takeover, uh-huh. too, by the way. We're very, right. we're very <laughs> text message oriented and uh, direct messaging. Anyway, so <laughs> with that. I think that wraps up our Hot Commodity Podcast for this week. I want to thank everyone, as always, for listening in. And even though we took over for him, I have to, you know, present his quote at the end of every podcast. As Mike says, live with an attitude of gratitude. And until next time, take care. So long. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.